This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. If you or a loved one is struggling with drug or alcohol addiction and are serious about getting help, call us now at 855-820-2797. You can get clean and sober in as little as seven days. Your insurance company may cover 100% of all costs with little to no out-of-pocket expenses. Our trained addiction specialists are available 24-7 and all calls are free and confidential. Just call us at 855-820-2797. How much longer are you going to suffer with addiction? Let us find you the best treatment center that fits your unique needs. Call us now at 855-820-2797. John Ziegler uh, joins us once again. Uh, John was with us on the radio. If you... You missed that. You missed a lot because uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going into the uh, Jerry Sandusky Penn State uh, scandal, um, and uh, and I know you would put that scandal in in quotes uh, <laughs> for sure. Um, and uh, we went through a lot of it today, and I figured we try to see see if we can kind of come back here and spend a little bit more time mopping up whatever we missed. Is there anything that we didn't do on radio that you think is important for the audience to understand about this story? Well, first of all, it was awesome to actually get a fair hearing for the first time in five and a half years of covering this thing. I mean, in all seriousness, I have dealt with so many media morons uh, in the last five years plus that uh, I, I have like P, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, and uh, dealing with you guys was, was quite a, a pleasure because, one, you, you were open-minded, and two, you asked good mm-hmm. questions, and, and three, you have a brain to actually uh, bit. work with. Tiny ones, Which, but yeah. which makes you very different than the, the, most of the members of the mainstream news media who have an uh, incredible agenda in this case. So to answer your question more directly, this case is so involved. It's not that complex once you understand the basics. But um, I I think we hit the general points, but there are so many other details that back up my view of this thing. And my basic view of it for people who don't recall or missed the radio interview is that this was all a rush to judgment that the firing of Joe Paterno back in November 2011 was a nuclear explosion which flipped this entire case on its head, that all the incentives become perverse and misunderstood, especially by those morons in the media. And it creates a domino effect of injustice, which is still happening to this day and which may impact a trial that's scheduled for next week. There's a trial scheduled for next week involving the former president of Penn State, Graham Spanier, a guy I personally know very well and am positive is innocent. And what's he accused of? He's accused of conspiring, uh, conspiracy, as well as child endangerment. Good And golly. there's no evidence. So, in other words, he knew and he just didn't do anything about it, covered it up, whatever. That's, you know, that in, in real people's words, yeah. yeah. Um, but but the, just, just taking the child endangerment charge, for instance, they won't even tell him which child he allegedly endangered. And the reason why they won't tell him that is because they can't pick one. Because if they pick one, it'll be destroyed. Because there's, there is no well, child that Ill- they endanger. That's illegal, right? I mean, aren't you supposed to know who your well, accuser is? Well, yes. And, the, and his lawyers have tried to make that case numerous times. But the, but the problem is, and this is what makes this case different than any other situation I've ever seen. Because of five and a half years of really bad and biased media coverage, you have a jury pool that's so polluted. I mean, they, you, they, oh. it's unbelievably polluted. And, and the prosecution knows this. Well, I will say so, this. Until we talked to you, what was it, a couple months ago, 
I firmly believe Jerry Sandusky yeah. was guilty. Sure. I, I, there was no doubt in my mind that right. he was justly convicted of this crime and should be in jail. The only the only point I was a little bit iffy on, and I thought is where you were coming from, was that Joe Paterno had nothing to do with it. Well, then that's but, how I started this. Yeah. And so, I was right there with you. Jerry Sandusky must be guilty. There's no way everybody could be so wrong about this. But no one checked that math because everyone had the same feeling we did. Mm-hmm. And who wants to wade into this murky, icky, yeah. horrible story? Nobody. I, I, nobody does. Except you. Well, <laughs> I, trust me. Trust me. I didn't want to do that, uh, Pat. Uh, I did it by necessity. In fact, I, I think one of the most most people would have ignored it, though, John. I think it's it's amazing and a, and a real tribute to your character. That well, you uh, yeah. Thank you. That'll get me uh, nothing, but right. I appreciate it. <laughs> right. But you try um, to spend that at the grocery right, store right. and see what happens. <laughs> Good luck with that. But 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 in all seriousness, I think the most important element of my credibility on this, other than the fact that I have no connection to Penn State and I'm not make, I've lost money on this case purposely. But to me, the most important thing is I'm the only person in this whole case that has come to a conclusion, both against my self interest. And which I was trying to disprove. And I will I, say, when we I, also when when we were talking about the interview the first time around, uh, and and Stu was telling me how passionate you were about this. I said, "Did he go to Penn State?" <laughs> that was my first. That was my first thing. Right, right, of, right, course. Right. of course, of course. Did you go to Penn State? And the answer no. is no, you didn't. I went to Georgetown, and as a matter of fact, after five and a half years, I have disdain for Penn State. In fact, I root against Penn State football with, with a passion <laughs> uh, because of all the aggravation that this story has caused in my life. And it, this has been the worst thing that's ever happened in my life. And I've had a lot of bad things happen. Heck, I've worked in radio for a long time. So I mean, mm-hmm. anyone who has mm-hmm. has had bad things happen. But this has been by far the worst. Uh, I think it's been the best work I've ever done. But this is a story, No, and, and I think you mentioned this, uh, Pat. It's, it's a weird phenomenon that you would think people would want to hear this story. Yeah. That, 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 hey, by the way, nobody got sexually abused. Right. Yet That'd nobody, nobody, very few, want to hear it and i think it's because a couple reasons one it's it's scary to think that this injustice could happen we don't want to believe that our system is this Mm -hmm. flawed that something this catastrophic uh from an injustice standpoint could occur uh but also it requires and this is the heart of why i'm i'm fighting a losing battle it requires you to uh, at least say that these accusers who have been canonized for all intents and purposes by the media are not telling the truth. And part of my case has been misunderstood. People think that somehow I'm against child sex abuse victims or against children. I have a four-year-old daughter myself. I have a, a wife at home that's very pregnant with another daughter coming oh, soon. Congratulations. They, they, well, thank you. I appreciate that. We'll see. I'm, I'm going to have three women in my life, which is more than I can handle. But, but the, the point here is that that couldn't be further from the case. And I'm not even alleging, this is really important for, for the nature of my theory of what happened here, which I'm very confident in. I'm not even alleging most of these people lied. I'm alleging that they were manipulated and they thought they were helping put away the Loch Ness Monster. That's really important to understand this because people presume I'm a conspiracy guy. Like, how could all these people come together and make this allegation? Well, that's not how the story happened. It was was linear. One led to the next, led to the next, led to the next. This whole case is a domino effect. Mm -hmm. And if you're somebody who... Maybe you were abused by somebody else in your life, and you're poor, and you're in central Pennsylvania, and you come from an at-risk background, which is why you were in Jerry Sandusky's charity. And someone comes to you and says, you know, Jerry, that guy you've been friends with all those years, he's kind of goofy, handsy, a little weird. 
Well, guess what? We got an accuser by the name of Aaron Fisher, victim one, who says he's been sexually abused, and we're having a tough time finding other accusers. We really need people to come forward and help us. Anything ever happened to you? I think it's not. It's very understandable that someone like that might go, well, gee, not really to me, but... Maybe another person, or maybe, maybe like that sort of weird behavior. I might now take retroactively as negative. Bingo, uh, rather than just sort of weird. I, Stu, that is a fantastic point, and I think that happened a lot here. Mm-hmm. Uh, because let's face it, this is a guy who stupidly did occasionally, not nearly as much as reported in the news media, but occasionally took showers in a different era. He's from a different generation with boys who were in their early teenage years that people understandably look at and go, what was that all about? Right. Um, uh, Some of that's uh, just sports. uh, Yeah. Locker room stuff. I think that there are this is one of those situations where if you've lived in that culture, you tend to get it. If you haven't, you look at it and go, wait a minute, what's that all about? The only time in my life I've ever showered with another male is during high school or during sports after gym class or after a football game or after football practice or baseball or whatever it was. And that, that happens in that culture. That happens in that arena. When I don't understand it, and that's why I support a one-man, one-bathroom constitutional amendment. Because <laughs> um, it makes no sense to me yeah, at icky. all. It's, it's icky. I don't like it. But yeah, I don't I, it, it is the, the culture for whatever reason. That's what happened. And yeah. it's important to point out, uh, there's so many perfect storms in this situation. But one of the most important perfect storms is the timing of this story in relation to the Catholic Church scandal, which was mm-hmm. a big deal in Pennsylvania. Yeah. These uh, ep- shower episodes occur in 1998 and 2001. That's before the Catholic Church scandal is publicly known. Mm. So in other words, it's not as if after the Catholic Church scandal, Jerry thinks it's a great idea to be uh, <laughs> taking showers <laughs> right. with young boys. It's at, but, but it doesn't come out publicly Till after. Sure. And, and then, therefore, and people see it through the prism of, wait a minute, we've gone through this before. Yeah. Penn State's just like the Catholic Church. Joe Paterno is the Pope. The administrators are the Cardinals. Jerry's the pedophile priest. The Penn State football fans are the Catholic parishioners looking the other way because they don't want to, to, they don't want to accept that their God is false in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and all that fits in, in, a, in, a, yeah. in a narrative that the media, of course, loves, and which a, human, a normal human being might go, okay, that makes some sense, except when you break it down. Okay. And, and, and when you break it down, it doesn't hold any water okay. at all. Let me uh, a couple, let's do Hit a couple Hit me with specifics. your best shots. Yeah, Seriously. No, I'm interested, because uh, you had mentioned, um, let's go to this tweet. Someone had mentioned, you had mentioned uh, previously that there'd be no motivation because Jerry Sandusky had been out of the program for a long right. time, which is true. Uh, we had one tweet. Do we have it uh, here? Uh, now that I'm calling for it, it better be there because I can't. There it is. Uh, 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 who is this Sandusky Joe Paterno defender on Glenn Beck? Sandusky had an office on campus until his arrest. I do remember that being a conversation. Yeah. True? Was he actually there? Technically, I think he had an office which he never used. He had been in. He was an emeritus. Uh, he had been there for a very long time. Right. People, there's so many things that are misunderstood about how and why he left Penn State. In ret- you referenced earlier, in retrospect, everything looks different. Mm-hmm. In retrospect, people look at his departure from Penn State and they go, boy, that seems awfully suspicious. He retires uh, you know, at a fairly young age to ro- go run an at-risk, ch- full-time run an at-risk charity for, bo- for not for boys, by the way. There were girls as well. That's another mm-hmm. one of the yep. misnomers. But, for children. Uh, for mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, but here's what people miss. 
uh, after he retires, he is a finalist, in fact, is reported as getting the head football coaching job at the University of Virginia after he leaves Penn State. Now, this is interesting for a couple of reasons. First of all, the University of Virginia vets people before they offer them their head football coaching job. <laughs> yes, Second of all, there was a deep series of connections between the University of Virginia coaching staff and the Penn State coaching staff, including, by the way, Joe Paterno's own son, Jay, had been a University of Virginia graduate assistant and was married to a University of Virginia alum. So what we're forced to believe is that somehow those at Penn State knew Jerry was a pedophile, push him out of Penn State University, but they're perfectly willing to allow him to become the head football coach at the University of Virginia, where there's all these connections between the two schools and where one phone call from anybody connected to Penn State <laughs> saying, hey, stay away from Jerry, would have done him in. Ironically enough, the real story of what happens there, and sports fans will find this hilarious, is that because the New York Jets collapsed that year and lost their last three games of the season, their head coach, who was a University of Virginia alum, Al Groh is his name, at, oh, the yeah. at the last moment when Jerry's about to sign on the dotted line, calls Virginia and says, hey, don't give the job away. I'm going to need it. I'm getting fired. And that, if that doesn't happen, if the New York Jets don't lose their last three games of the 2000 season and miss the playoffs by half a game, none of this story occurs oh, wow. because Jerry Sandusky is the head football coach at the University of Virginia. It's, it's amazing. It's an amazing Another reason story. to hate the Jets. Yeah, I was going to say, usually it's only positive things that come from the Jets losing. <laughs> uh, but uh, here, So let's go through some of the victims here real quick. Sure, let's, let's do it. Let's go through it, and you tell me where these right. stories are wrong. Okay. Uh, victim one uh, comes forward, age 15. I'm going to yeah. give a little rundown of each sure. one, and then you give me a sure. give me, Makes allegations, uh, years of abuse. He told police when he was 12 or 13 in the Second Mile program, he met Sandusky and began staying at his home. Contact started with uh, exercises and escalated around the June of 2007 to stomach blowing, kissing, and sex acts. Uh, he was a, 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 a wrestling coach in the district, walked in on Sandusky lying face to face with the victim on a wrestling mat. Another 15-year-old also witnessed Sandusky put his hand on the victim's knee during a road trip to a Philadelphia Eagles game. Uh, uh, and that, that that child testified that Sandusky had touched him in a similar way. I mean, that seems like a, a pretty good case. Yeah, well, except in, when you find out what the details are. Um, first of all, by the way, that wrestling coach, his original testimony was um, actually very very uh, beneficial to Jerry. At trial, all of a sudden, after being pressured, uh, it becomes Again, to use your word, retrospect, mm -hmm. you know, because now all of a sudden Jerry's a pedophile. And when you see him on the ground next to a kid, you go, oh, my gosh, that was something really horrendous. The original version of that story was very different. But more importantly to Aaron Fisher, Aaron Fisher doesn't tell any story about a sex act for quite a while after he came forward. He doesn't say it when he talks to the school, which is the first place he goes to, not the police, by the way. He doesn't tell it to the caseworker. He, he doesn't tell it to the police. I've interviewed the police officer who interviewed Aaron Fisher the first time. I've talked to him for hours. Said nothing about sex abuse. This is after, a, by the way, a three-year relationship as a teenage boy who I have 12 interviews, 
12 interviews on the record with people who are from every walk of his life, including buddies of his at the time of the allegations, including girlfriends. He had many girlfriends and loved to brag about them at even at this young age, uh, his own aunts. Uh, his next door neighbor, the women who uh, sponsored the rally for his book, all 12 of these people are not just suspicious of his story. They are positive he's not telling the truth. 12. I've yet mm. to find anyone, and I am well known in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania, <laughs> his hometown, uh, and would be thrilled to speak to anybody who actually believes him. I can't find anyone. His story is preposterous on its face because what ends up happening is the first time he ever says anything about sex is when his therapist, a guy by the name of Mike Gillum, who, by the way, has lost his license in the state of Pennsylvania, who's a quack, who helped co-write Aaron Fisher's book, finally, months after this original allegation of Jerry makes me feel uncomfortable, says to Aaron, did Jerry force you to have oral sex? And Aaron eventually says, yes. One word. Yes. At that point, everyone becomes invested, including Mike Gillum, the therapist, mm. in, a, in a separate reality. Aaron Fisher is required to testify, before he can get it right, three times to a grand jury. The first two times, he collapses in tears and can't answer questions. The third time, he finally reads his testimony with his therapist sitting right there with him. I would submit that his therapist actually wrote the testimony for him. The therapist is such a nut job that in his book, and I urge anyone, if you care about this case, you want to know what a joke the whole Aaron Fisher story is, read Aaron Fisher's book. I actually held a press conference outside of the courthouse at one of Jerry Sandusky's appeal hearings, and I gave copies of the book away to the media, begging people, read the book. It's a ludicrous story, including, by the way, you mentioned the Philadelphia Eagles. According to the book, the Philadelphia Eagles are in on this conspiracy oh, no. to, well, that, to cover up. Now I am totally on your side as an <laughs> Eagles fan. I am um, totally yeah, on your side now. The, the, the point here is that uh, Aaron <laughs> Fisher had a goal, uh, that which he stated to friends, that he, he wanted to own a lot of sports cars and be very rich when he, he grew up. And guess what? Uh, Aaron Fisher owns a lot of sports cars, including one that's over $100,000 that he just recently purchased his wife. His mother, who is very involved in this story as well, and I think uh, helped uh, uh, manipulate Aaron, for lack of a better term, also owns uh, several expensive cars and a very nice house. Uh, and the reality is they both made a, a lot of money from this case. And, and the story, by the way, is now his final story after this incredible evolution at trial was that he and Jerry had engaged in 100 acts <laughs> over a several period of time. A uh, several-year period of time of, of oral sex, and um, that that to me is uh, ludicrous for a 14-year-old boy who has been given no drugs, no alcohol, no allegation of abuse, no allegation of being paid, who is heterosexual. And uh, and whose mother apparently never finds anything in the laundry over this uh, two year period of time. Uh, there's no evidence of this whatsoever. They tried surveillance phone calls between Aaron Fisher and Jerry Sandusky. They got nothing. There, there is zero evidence where there should be mountains of, of, of it. And, you know, this is where it gets very politically incorrect. You guys will appreciate this, given the recent controversy. If one of these accusers was remotely like Milo Iannopoulos, all right? Mm -hmm. Who, and Milo has talked openly about being uh, an abuse victim uh, of, a, of a Catholic priest. Right. If even one of them was remotely like Milo in, in, 
in their in, in, in their sexuality and the way they carry themselves in the way they view this situation. I would say, you know what? This is bad. He's probably guilty. Every single one of these accusers is militantly heterosexual. They're all married. They're all driving fancy sports cars. They're all. So we're to believe that a post puberty boy is going to engage in these acts without telling anybody for years uh, with no drugs, no alcohol, no payment, no no physical abuse, no nothing. Anyone who's ever been a 14 year old boy will tell you that that is preposterous, especially with no evidence. Well, I mean, and that, by the way, was one victim one. Um, so if we go on that pace for the rest <laughs> of sorry. these, we're going to... No, well, he's the most important no, one. He, yeah, because he, he's the star one. Now, McQuarrie, we really covered a lot on radio. Right. Let me give you a couple that we didn't uh, cover real quick, and we got to keep them, you know, if you can do like... I'll do short. I'll do short very short. Uh, let's go vic- victim four. Yeah, okay. that's a good one. Uh, abuse lasted several years, happened more than 50 times. Started with touching, escalated <laughs> to very graphic sex acts. They shared a hotel room during charity golf outings and, and uh, coaching banquets. Sandusky would kiss and perform sex acts on the boy. During one trip in 1999, Sandusky threatened to send him home when he resisted. Yeah, victim number four is very interesting because uh, victim number four requires Dottie Sandusky, Jerry's wife, to have witnessed uh, a sex act and blatantly lied about it, which having dealt with Dottie for five and a half years, I, I'm quite sure it didn't happen. But here's what you need to know about victim number four. Not only did he not uh, state any sort of a sex act in his original interview, here's how he came to say that there was a sex act. He had an interview with investigators after this story becomes public locally in the, no- in the newspaper with a grand jury leak because they need more accusers. They can't find accusers. So they basically put a Craigslist ad in the local newspaper <laughs> looking for accusers uh, through Sarah Gannon, who's now at CNN. She won the Pulitzer Prize in this case and didn't deserve it because she's actually a big part of why this whole thing went south and, and why an injustice was done. But to victim number four... So he does this interview with an attorney, which is weird, because why do you need an attorney when you're a, 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 not even at that point a, a victim yet? You're, you're just a, someone who's been questioned. He's still not being accused of anything. But he has an attorney. He's not telling the investigators anything about a sex act. The attorney says to the investigators, hey, can we um, go off the record here for a second and turn off the recorder? Except they don't turn the recorder off or something happened and they thought they turned it off and it, they didn't. It was recorded. And at trial was played a tape of that attorney discussing with investigators, hey, can we tell him that we have a whole lot of other accusers that are, are alleging this same sort of thing so we can get him to say that he had a sex act with Jerry? And mm-hmm. the investigators say to him, sure, yeah, we do this all the time. Let's do it. And then they go back on the record. They tell him a bunch of lies about other accusers that they have. And voila, he starts to tell this this uh, nonsensical story. I have a photograph which I can show you. You know, when Jerry when Jerry uh, retires from the second mile, his his picture is on the front page of the local newspaper the next day playing miniature golf with victim number four Uh, at a time when this is in according to victim number four's later testimony many years later. uh, This is in between. Two major episodes of sex abuse. Uh, a picture tells a thousand words, and I think it would be hard mm-hmm. to argue, based upon the photograph of the two of them together, that, that happened. But I realize strange things occur. 
this relationship remained, it's remained with victim number four up until the time of the trial. Uh, and in fact, victim four took his own son mm. to a dinner with Jerry at mm. Jerry's house not long before Jerry was arrested. Mm. Uh, victim mm. number four is not telling the truth. And, uh, and yet he's the star witness, according to the prosecution, because they didn't like Aaron Fisher anymore by the time the trial came. <laughs> all right. Uh, we're running really late. Let me give you one more. And then we sure. got it. We, we got it. They're gotta, all like this, by the way. Yeah, it seems so far. So victim six. 12-year-old boy told his mom that Sandusky had showered with him. She called police, who interviewed the boy, and a friend who was also present. Police wrote a report that Sandusky bear-hugged the boy and washed his body. A weeks-long investigation ended without charges being filed. However, police had the mother call Sandusky to her home and confront him about the shower while officers listened from a nearby room. Sandusky admitted to the shower, asked for forgiveness, and said, I wish I were dead. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And, and it's funny how that phrase by Jerry Sandusky, which is alleged, there's no tape of that. It's important to point out. There is no tape of Jerry Sandusky saying, I wish I was dead. Uh, a lot of people latched onto that. You know, Matt Lauer, when he did an interview with Dottie Sandusky at me, that was a big issue for him. And I'm thinking, Matt, you're a golfer. I say worse about myself on the golf course every <laughs> single day. I wish I was dead. Uh, but here's what Jerry thought was happening. Jerry was told that this was a boy with cancer. And he was shocked that this had created all of this commotion, him picking his kid up in the shower to wash the shampoo off of his hair. And he, so he felt badly about it. Now, he, he says he never said, I wish I were dead. But who knows if he said that or not. Again, so, no, wait, he did pick him up in the shower. He picked him so up in the shower. So did he bear hug him and lift no, no, him up that's to not the... the... No, if, you, even, if I urge people, take a look Weird. at... Victor, it is. It's well, weird. Hold on a second. <laughs> I, I urge. I'm not. I'm not defending Jerry Sandusky no, as a as a non weirdo. It, it, it is. He's just. That's this bizarre. Uh, okay. Well, it's 1998, which I think is a different uh, cultural situation. I wouldn't have done this in 1898. Okay, that's fine. Okay. And good for you. And I'm not. <laughs> I know. I know. Not, I know. Or I Go urge ahead. you take a look at victim six's t- testimony at trial. Mm-hmm. If you don't aren't told. Uh, whether he's uh, he's testifying for the defense of the prosecution and you don't know whether Jerry is guilty or innocent, you're going to think he was called as a defense witness. Because even though he's got millions of dollars on the line, and by the way, victim six got paid more money apparently than any other accuser because mm. of the timing of that accusation, which as you pointed wow. out, it's important to point out, was looked into by the DA, fully investigated and found to not yeah. be actionable. It's important. Because all, wow. yeah, it's incredibly important. So, but here's what you also need to know. A year after this happens, after the, it's, the investigation is closed, Jerry's last home game is against University of Michigan. And there, of course, it's a home game, packed house. There are no tickets. Jerry has no tickets to give away. The mom of victim six trails Jerry down into a parking lot and begs him for tickets for her son to go to the game, which Jerry figures out a way to get him on the sideline without a ticket. They maintain a relationship from 1998 all the way to the trial, including text messages of happy Father's Day and happy Thanksgiving, love you, from victim number six. This is many, many years later. So look at his testimony. There's not even a remote sexual allegation. And the the reality is that victim six is at the heart of how this got transferred into a money grab because three of the other six, uh, three of the six accusers at the time of the, of the arrest are friends of victim number six, mm. which I believe were recruited by his mom and his bikini uh, model 
sister, victim number six, is, has a bikini model sister mm. who it's known uh, made contact with a couple of these guys who ended up becoming accusers in this case and making millions of dollars. Wow. Well, I mean, obviously we could do this all day, but uh, John, you've done enough today. I know, actually, <laughs> I think I need to do a Facebook Live a little bit later on with uh, Jeffy, so watch for that as well. We can go into this even wow. more. It's pretty uh, amazing. It's it sure stuff. is. I'm and, looking forward to it. Uh, it sparked a memory, too, of showering with Jerry Sandusky back oh in the Oh, my God. <laughs> really? Yeah. It sparked yeah, a memory wow. of me, too. I'm, I'm Elvis, horrified. I'm going to tell you yeah. something. Uh, my oldest son he rubbed was, my back and, and stuff while we were in the show. You know, Pat, how right much should they make off this? Like three, four million dollars? <laughs> that was each? about the average, yes. Yeah. Right. About that same time, Pat, my oldest son was recruited by the Penn State <laughs> okay. Navy Lions. All right, all right. I know. And uh, uh, Sandusky uh, <laughs> met him at the gate. Thank you, you know what? The worst part of this, though, is the, the man is in prison probably for the rest of his life. Yes, right? he's going to die in prison, and uh, the former president of Penn State, Graham Spanier, is on trial for his freedom next week. Yeah. Yeah. And it's we bad enough that Penn State has paid $93 million of taxpayer funds for this. Yeah. And, yes. now, and the guy in jail. We break. John Ziegler, thanks. PremiumPaterno.com is the it. website. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. one 800 913 4653 